It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Just win it. Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it's time to welcome back our friend, former Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver, and of course, former Hofstra standout, Chris Mano, who's really been getting out there with his spicy takes lately. Glad to have him back on the show. Chris, thanks for coming back on. We're going to go through everything that went down in the game. As an ex player, you can kind of diagnose everything that you saw. And we'll talk about some of the bigger things going on around the Jets right now, too, including the quarterback drama. Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited to be back. I appreciate you having me again. See, what you label spicy, I don't even feel like they're very spicy. Like they're just, uh, but obviously, on man, that, that Jets Twitter, I didn't realize what kind of animal it was <laughs> until about a month ago. Golly, there's not too many. Like, I mean, look, if I want to get 100,000 views on something, I sure know how to poke them. You know what I mean? But it's crazy. It's, it's like just, it seems to me like so many of these picks that I have should be common sense, but I guess I'm wrong. So maybe I... Maybe it's me, but we'll see. Let's let's have a formal one, man. Chris, in the words of Bruce Willis, as John McClane in the greatest Christmas movie of all time, Die Hard, welcome to the party, pal, okay. when it comes to Jets Twitter. <laughs> yeah, you're not lying, man. It is it is crazy. It sure is. And there's, I'm, I'm meeting more like, uh, I, I actually, I love the engagement, though. Like, that's fun for me. Like, I could pop on there anytime I'm free and just, and just fire away for a while. It's always interesting. It's always a little, it's always like a challenge, which is fun for me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. So, Chris, let's start with the Zach Wilson, Tim Boyle, Trevor Simeon, who's actually going to play quarterback situation. The Jets, by the way, got rid of Tim Boyle. As of this recording, he's gone. Brett Rippon was signed. We had heard the Jets wanted Rippon earlier in the season. They tried to claim him off the Rams practice squad, but the Rams kept him on their active roster so they couldn't get him. This time they get him off Seattle's practice squad. As far as I'm concerned, it's deck chairs on the Titanic. I get it. They're trying something because what they had wasn't getting it done, but I don't expect Brett Rippon to do anything. Either way, Tim Boyle is gone, and Zach Wilson may be getting another opportunity to start. Now, really quickly... What has gone on is there was a report in The Athletic that the Jets were thinking of turning back to Zach Wilson, but Wilson had expressed hesitancy to some people in the organization as far as possibly playing again because he'd be afraid of the injury risk and maybe being scapegoated for whatever's going to happen with this team, which is probably not going to be anything good. A couple of hours later, somebody close to Zach Wilson had something different to say and basically indicated that Wilson was more than willing to play. Robert Sala had the presser where he said none of this was expressed to him and that Wilson went to him and said he wanted the ball on Sunday against the Texans. What probably happened here is that Wilson may have had conversations with teammates or who knows who else 
saying that he was a little nervous about the possibility of getting back in there because there was an injury risk and maybe he'd be scapegoated as the face of a sinking ship. I don't know if that means he went to Robert Sala or anybody else in the organization and said, I'm not playing. It just might be something that was said in passing and it's been magnified, but I definitely think that there is something to that report. Either way, there's been a lot of people debating whether or not Zach Wilson would be at fault for this, whether it's okay that he would feel this way and all of that, and then they'll compare it to regular jobs. I'm not going to make any judgment on it one way or the other because, like I said, we don't know exactly what happened. Maybe it was just Zach Wilson talking to a teammate or somebody else in the organization just saying, gee, I wonder if this would be the best thing for me to go out there and play again. I don't know because I might end up being the public face of a disaster and I could get hurt or something. So I don't want to judge him based on the fact that some people said, oh, this is like me going into my boss and telling him I don't feel like showing up for work. I will say though, and Chris, you can back me up on this as a former player. These guys don't have regular person problems. And what I mean by that is you can't compare what happens at a regular job to what happens on a football team. It's just a very different animal. So I was curious to get your take on this. I think there's a lot more to this too. I'm not saying that Zach Wilson would be right to go to Robert Sala if that were to have been what happened, which I don't think it is what happened. And Sala seemed to indicate it's not what happened and say, I'm not sure I want to do this. But you could also understand why he would be a little bit hesitant based on the history here because he has to feel like he was scapegoated at a certain point. He has had the rug pulled out from under him a couple of times. And yeah, he played poorly, so you could say that he deserved to be benched and all of that. But at a certain point, if you tell a guy you're moving on from him and pretty much that his career here is over as a starter, and then two weeks later you're looking to go back to him and you yo-yo him like that, these guys are all humans. So as an ex-player and watching this as a Jets fan, and as somebody who was a high-level athlete, what were your thoughts on everything that came out about this? Yeah, well, what I, what I was thinking of during the week and what I spoke about on Twitter is, look, uh, it is, it's, it's, it's hard to put yourself in the shoes of a pro athlete, even for someone like me, because, look, I barely made it for a couple of minutes. I got to be there for, for some time, so I kind of get a bit of a feel. But obviously, I have no idea what it's like to be the number two overall draft pick and the pressure and the scrutiny that comes with that. What I would say is this. You got to think about, and I think as like it's very hard to put yourself in in a pro's shoes because it's it's almost unfathomable. The odds it takes to get there is crazy. What I basically put it out like is, think about training, think about the job you do right now. Now think about if it's been your dream since you're four years old. You've invested 15 years in your life of your life on a level a normal person cannot even begin to imagine. Holiday mornings, you're training. Uh, weekends, you're missing parties. Like everything you could be doing to get to the level that Zach Wilson's gotten to. The number two overall pick in the draft. Now think about it like there's 32 teams and three of these jobs on each. So he got into a level that 90 men on earth have achieved. So to, to try to sit, like, like you said earlier, it's very hard to, to fathom. And now you're, you're a 24-year-old kid and you're thinking, I've invested my entire life in this. I'm finally here, and now for something that I – I mean, look, I, I, I think he's done a great job of taking responsibility for not playing great this year. But I also think, as you know, that I probably put 20% of it on Zach Wilson and 80% of it on the miserable, unwinnable situation Zach Wilson finds himself in. So this guy's thinking, I'm 24. 
You've been killing me for three years now for fault partly of my own, but more than not, you guys put me in this unwinnable situation. And now you've seen that it's not just me. Two other guys failed. And you want to put me back in and put another bad taste in, in people's mouths for me when I'm trying to per continue my career. Like, you got to think at 24 years old, what were you doing? Now think about if every hope and dream you've worked your whole life for, it, it could just be three more miserable weeks of this might cost this guy an opportunity in, in the future. So I, I, you could try to pretend like you don't understand. And I know he, he knows he'd get flamed for saying it publicly. So he can't. But let me be the one to translate that for you. Like, think about your dream job. You've worked for it forever. 90 men on earth get there. And then you, for minimal fault of your own, are saying, you're just going to put me out there like a lamb to slaughter again, and I may never get another shot at this. So I think the injury thing was a smokescreen. And I'm going to be honest with you, and this is coming from a kid who was a walk-on in college who had to grind and get my ass kicked for everything I got, earned my scholarship, paid to try out for an arena team where I got my ass kicked looking for a shot in the NFL. And then I was a special teams guy in the NFL. So, I mean, I know a thing or two about working and not quitting and anything the coach tells me to, to do, but I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't say I don't understand where he's coming from here because look, it, you can try to put yourself in that situation, but if you were in the same situation, it sounds great to say, I would never do that. I would play, you know, but it's it's very, very difficult to to say that with conviction because I myself, I try to understand, I, I try to pull myself out from these situations. And the fact that I kind of got there for a little bit, but I'm, look, I'm more fan than I am player, but I can't knock this kid for this because I completely understand. And I I don't know that I would do anything different if, if I was like, I, and look, at the very least, he didn't say it to the press. And I would be willing to bet if, they, they went to him in the locker room and said, Zach, it's your show this week. He's probably not going to say no, and he mm -hmm. didn't. So that's kind of where I stand with that. Look, he's, it's been stories that have come out. Everybody got unnamed sources that, like Roger said today, they don't put their faces or names to. So, look, I, I, I don't know. You believe I believe about one-third of what I hear. And from the Atlantic, probably like one-eighth of what I hear. So, Like I said, I think what probably happened is he was talking to somebody and mentioned that he was a little tentative about wanting to go back out there. That doesn't really equate to going to the head coach and saying that you're not going to play or going to the general manager and saying that you're not going to play. We don't know the exact circumstances, but that's more or less what it sounds like here. But as far as the quarterback play, I saw an incredible stat. This was courtesy of Greg Rosenthal over at NFL.com. Both Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon in the game on Sunday against the Falcons we're in the top five for the entire season in off-target passes. So that tells you how bad both of those guys were. And it kind of goes back to what you and I have talked about. I had said I didn't care if Zach Wilson was benched because at this point, whatever, it doesn't matter. And if you want to try and find a spark somewhere, go ahead, put in Boyle, put in Simeon, whatever you want to do. My take on it was, though, that it wasn't going to make a difference and it wasn't going to improve. And what I'd said all along was the reason why Robert Sala continued to say that Zach Wilson was the team's best chance to win is because he was talking about the guys that he had. Now, you can talk about outside options, but those don't matter because they weren't here. 
If you're talking about Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon, and I broke this down on Twitter, I said, look, you have three options. Zach Wilson, who's an okay backup, who has plus upside. He's a guy with really good mobility and a gifted arm. You've got Trevor Simeon, who at one time was an okay backup, but that time came and went a couple of years ago. And the third guy's Tim Boyle, who is basically a glorified practice squad quarterback. So of those three, Zach Wilson is your clear best guy and the only one that really gives you a puncher's chance because you saw what happened in this game against Atlanta. Tim Boyle was Tim Boyle. And then when Trevor Simeon came in, he got sacked. He fumbled the ball a handful of times. I joked that he would get sacked 12 times. He got sacked three times in one quarter. So if you space it out, I was sort of right. If you look at it proportionally, talk to me a little bit about what you saw from the quarterbacks in this game, how you compare it to what you'd seen all season with Zach Wilson. And then, of course, people talk about all the open receivers. Now, we have to be careful here because, Chris, you know this as a former receiver. There are plenty of times when people will look at all 22, not understand what the pattern is, not understand what the play call is, not understand what the reads are supposed to be, and they'll point at receivers that are supposedly open, but they're not really part of the play. What did you see, though, when you looked at the tape of these guys in the receiving core, and you watch the quarterbacks, I did think the one that was clear was the one where Garrett Wilson was running wide open for a touchdown and Boyle didn't even try to throw it downfield to him. What was your conclusion about the quarterbacks and what was going on with the receivers after you watched everything? Well, the quarterback situation is exactly what I said I, I thought it was going to be, right? It was going to be a, I don't know what I'm allowed to say on your podcast, but an SHIT show no matter what. <laughs> and that's because... It's just the situation. The situation is not going to allow for success for, I don't want to say anybody, because I think there's probably a handful of guys on the planet that could get something out of this situation. I think they're few and far between, though. But what I did say, too, is that, I, I, again, it's unquestionable at this point that Zach Wilson gives you the best chance of these three to win simply because of the needs of what you need in a quarterback in this situation. Poor old line play means you need a guy who can move. Zach Wilson clearly moves better than any of them, right? Um, you, you, at some point, we have to drive the ball downfield, right? Because we're not seeing. I mean, you got you got to change something at some point. You got to hope Nate Hackett takes the shackles off at anybody that's in there and lets that happen. If it comes down to throwing the football, Zach Wilson clearly has the most arm talent out of any of the quarterbacks. So, based solely upon physical ability, clearly the best, and based upon need for this particular team. Zach Wilson provides you the best opportunity. And I don't think that that was for, – for that to be questionable for anybody uh, prior to this, it's crazy. Look, he, he wasn't playing great, but he was playing like you hope your backup quarterback would play. We expected him to be a backup quarterback this year, and he was playing like a backup quarterback. Like he wasn't making the mistake where he threw the football away. He limited his interceptions. Right. And anytime, and, and this is where the coach has done such a poor job with this kid. It's because we've seen him at a couple of points in the year where it's almost like Nate Hackett is forced to take the chains off of him. Like it's two minute drill right now against, against the Raiders. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was the Raiders. Uh, two minute drill. He makes a phenomenal throw under pressure on the second level, right over the linebacker's hands. And Tyler Conklin makes a phenomenal catch. Right. But these are, these are plays that you don't let the, they, you don't see them allow him to even make until it's absolutely forced upon him. And it seems like when Zach Wilson is thinking the least, he's reacting and playing. And that's what athletes do, right? I tell a lot of my athletes, when you think, you stink. And when you have them out there just reacting and letting them rip it, at this point, look, 
I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm glad that he didn't play the last few weeks because I wanted Jets Twitter and the fans who were the sole reason, and don't tell me anything but this, and this is why I don't think Robert Sala I, I, is the guy for the Jets. The fans caused that quarterback change. Nobody in that building, I mean, you can say anything you want. If you think that Zach Wilson didn't give you the best chance out of those three quarterbacks, you're, you're, you're making your decision emotionally because Trevor Simeon would have, was out of the league until five minutes ago, and Tim Boyle's stats in college and anything he's ever shown us in the NFL was not that of a starting quarterback. So, I mean, we knew what we had with those two. Zach Wilson clearly was the move, and uh, – and look, I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad that it came down to the fact that we, he had to sit down and other people could finally see. But it's so weird because we got such a hard-headed fan base. Like, they changed the goalposts every time. Like, I thought, in my head, logical people would say, he, gets, he, he doesn't deserve to be playing. we got to play somebody else. And I said, you're going to see the same thing, but okay, let's do it just so that we could shut everybody up. And then they shut everybody up because it's exactly the same thing, arguably worse. And then people make a different excuse like, oh, well, now you're just saying it's because he's better than Boyle and better than Simeon. And I'm like, bro, but that's not – the argument was you guys are telling me that this offense is going to run more efficiently and better. And I'm like, at no point did anyone think that was, was true. And, I, and if the coaches in the building thought that was true, then they need to be gone like yesterday because it's, it's clear as day. Not, not Nobody else in that building besides that gives you – gives you a better chance than Zach Wilson. To be fair, Chris, you said that Tim Boyle, nothing that he'd done in the NFL showed you that he could be a starting quarterback. I'd say nothing that he's done in the NFL has showed you that he could even be a backup quarterback. So I'll take it a step well, I was further. Saying looking, I was just saying looking based upon his, I mean, everyone, like his, his UConn stats kind of went viral when he got the, it's like his UConn stats are like one touchdown to 13 picks. And we're not talking about like, we're not talking about like Ohio State, Georgia. He's playing against. He's at UConn. He's playing against like the Syracuse's of the world. And if you're going one to thirteen in college, I, I mean, I don't. I'm not going to knock him because look, I wasn't the greatest college player either. I developed late, and I don't knock anybody who makes it to the to the league. But stats like one in thirteen makes you think like, how is this guy even here? And then to to argue that he deserves run over a guy who, I mean, look. The Jets weren't the only team that would have picked Zach Wilson at two. So people, people had this kid ranked. And this kid possesses the tools to be effective in this league today. I'm just telling you, man, he, he's been given every obstacle along the way that you can. And, and I, I, I'm really, I'm beginning to like loathe like the media around here. And not, not everybody, but mo many of the content creators in like Jets land because there's no loyalty. There's no loyalty. And and I feel like if you know what you're looking at, you, you have for you to not see that the the uh, the ginormous um, task that it would have taken for anybody to be successful back there. I, I just I can't fathom how anybody could miss that. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Certainly, Tim Boyle, not as successful as somebody like Dan Orlovsky, who was actually very good at UConn, which is why he was drafted into right. the NFL. We'll say that I think part of what you're talking about in terms of the surrounding circumstances was what you could see on tape in this game. And I was curious to hear your thoughts on this. I asked about the wide receiving core, which I'd like you to expand upon, but also the running game and the offensive line. The offensive line and the running game generally go hand in hand. And Brees Hall has just not been able to do much, but a lot of his yards have come 
after contact. So how much of this is Brees Hall just not being able to figure this out? How much of this is the offensive line not opening up holes for him? And what did you see from the receiving core in this game against Atlanta? Well, look, what I really do try to do, despite I don't know how it comes off on online or when we speak, but I do try to pull myself back and be a realist. And I played wide receiver. So obviously, where do you think my affinities lie with the <laughs> wide receivers? Mm-hmm. I want to see them thrive. They're my favorite position to watch clear as day. But I've come to learn in my years of playing ball, and, and it's a product of being on not such great teams or good teams. Uh, it's, it's that everything begins and ends with the offensive line. That's the difference between offensive football and defensive football too, right? If you're on the defensive side of the ball and you have a Ray Lewis or a Luke Keekley who just have a sense for the ball – Ten other guys could do the wrong thing, and Luke Keekley could sniff out a screen and go end the play before it starts. On on offense, everybody's got to be doing the same thing. And look, if the first wave doesn't do the right thing, and this is your offensive line, nothing else happens. Nothing can happen if every offensive lineman doesn't do their job. Because if it's a pass, you can have the best quarterback on the planet. How did they neutralize Tom Brady in his two Super Bowl losses against the Giants? They did it with Michael Strahan, O.C. Uminura, Justin Tuck in his face every play. So how do you neutralize a great passer? You get pressure on him. And then how do you stop a run game? You you load the box up, right? And that's what they've been doing with Brees Hall. There's no threat, for, there's no threat of these guys ripping off 350, 400 yards against you in the air. So you get you you do what you can to stop the run now and yeah look Brees Hall's probably getting frustrated but look what I what I think is it, it it's I mean it's obviously a mix of everything but it begins and ends with that offensive line and like I said Zach in Zach's nine starts it was eleven different offensive line combinations fourteen different offensive linemen you're relying on a almost forty year old left tackle with no preseason you're relying on a, a right tackle who hadn't been healthy in two years. And it's just a recipe for disaster. Uh, we did see Garrett Wilson. I, I'll be honest. I said it during the week. I have been hard on him the last two or three weeks. If I'm going to be hard on him when I think he plays bad, I've got to commend him and show him love when I think he plays good. I thought he played fantastic. Made some tough catches uh, in the rain. It's very hard. He made some real strong grabs with his hands. Contested. He made a great catch on the sideline while he got hit. That didn't get called, but kind of – the quarterback didn't really give him much room to stay in bounds, so I don't put that on him. So I'll give him his love. He played great. But, again, I, I look, even even um, Xavier Gibson played pretty well. But you're putting out there an undermanned – and this is, again, this is coming from a kid who was an undrafted free agent and a walk-on in college. But you, when you're playing against these defenses in the NFL, you've got three undrafted free agent uh, wideouts. You're not you're – not, um, you're not putting your team in a position to win. Like these kids are undrafted rookies. They got have they probably got eight catches between them, and they're all Xavier Gibsons. I don't think Brownlee has a catch in the league, and I don't think Irv Charles has a catch in the league. And these guys are guys on your your four deep. So when we got to get guys out there, that's who's playing. And I mean, look, these guys are. I mean, bad quarterback play plus undrafted wide receivers plus a poor O line. It just equals failure. Like there's no way around it. Chris, defensively, what did you think here? I think it's funny with Sauce Gardner, by the way, that it's going completely under the radar every time he just shuts these guys out. It's almost like Darrell Revis, where they don't even target him anymore because he's on these guys like glue. What you see from the defense here in this game, it's weird because 
they gave up under 200 yards of total offense and 13 points. So you can't really criticize a ton. But then again, there are some areas where you looked at it and said, mm, I don't know about that. Jordan Whitehead, for example, on that touchdown pass. But for the most part, they seem to do very well. And how about the comeback story of Ashton Davis? That's the storyline I certainly wasn't expecting this season. Yeah, for sure. You're 100% correct on that. And I've, that's another thing. I've been hard on the defense. And look, you know you know how I feel about Coach Sala. I don't think he's a great head coach at all. Do I do think he's a good good a good defensive coordinator? I think he's fantastic. So I expect that the defense would be good. And the defense has been great for the most part. My one gripe with them throughout the year is that some games it seems like it takes them a little while to get going, right? They sometimes they'll give up that long drive in the beginning or they'll put their young quarterback in a 7-nothing hole before he even sees the field. That was not the case this week, man. These guys came out like freaking they came out like uh like some lions, man. Right out the gate, safety Give the Jets a, two, a 2-0 lead, right? Quinn Williams is in the backfield. Ashton Davis, like you said, he's coming down and he's smacking somebody. Sauce is shutting down half the field. DJ Reed, he was kind of up and down. He got uh, he got that real tough penalty called on him that, I mean, I don't know how you call that a penalty, the play versus Pitts. But, you know, it is what it is. They called it. And then, um, yeah, I mean, the defense was fine. I, how, how do you get on them for, for 13 points, you know? Uh, it's not like the – it's not like the the Falcons were marching up and down on him too much. When you should win every game that you're that you limit thirteen points, and then look as a whole, they put they put two on the board, so it was almost like they just gave up eleven, right? So it's like um, it's yeah. You, if you can't if you can't have your defense put up eleven and win, it's not a defensive problem. So yeah, I, I mean, I commend the defense. I thought they were awesome. Um, I'm excited. I'm interested. I'd say to see what they do with. They they got to get Bryce Huff under contract after this year. I love watching him play. He's incredible. Um, and, yeah, I mean, n- nothing bad I could say about the defense, I don't think, as a whole this week. What do you think of the coaching as a whole in this game? I mean, the coaching of the Jets is what the coaching of the Jets is. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not – I mean, they, they take their penalties every week. You know that. That's hampered us from the beginning. Um, I think their special teams coaching is phenomenal. I th- Look, I – it's it's so weird, man. I, I don't really know. I, I don't obviously I think it's I think the biggest culprit in the whole thing is Joe Douglas. I think he's gotten far too too much slack and and leeway to not get flamed. He's been here now, what has it been six years? Has he been here? And and they haven't had a winning record yet, no playoff appearances, and they're again, they're gonna be down in that top that top of the draft with and, and this year I, I, I think so much of it is depth and the lack thereof that they have, right? He, I, it seemed like he just – he got Aaron Rodgers to, to agree to come on over, and he looked like he just kind of put his feet up on the desk and said, mission accomplished, and that was it. But I think that all falls on him. Uh, as I've, as I've kind of harped on over and over this year, I think things that the Jets do wrong often come down to things that you almost lay right at the feet of a head coach. I think the undisciplined penalties all year long – Kind of got to got to fall on Coach Sala. I think that the, I think that the um the time the time management hasn't always been great. And I just and then Nate Hackett, uh, he is what he is. We know at this point kind of what Nate Hackett is. I think having Aaron Rodgers makes his life exponentially easier. So I think look next year. I think if Aaron stays healthy, he's going to cover up all the warts and will he he look Nate, Nate Hackett. He was his flaws were covered so much by Aaron Rodgers' greatness that he got a uh, he got a head coaching job last year. So 
it's like uh, he, he, but he is what he is now. He's kind of been exposed. He'll go in next year and he'll be there because Aaron wants him to be there. And his job, like I said, will be his job will be ten percent of what it is this year because Aaron Rodgers makes all those warts go away. He'll be able to kind of check in and out of stuff. He'll be able to kind of he he operate. He's your de facto offensive coordinator on the field, and all he does is come off and get little pointers from uh from uh, Nate Hackett and, and it'll make his life like way easier. And I'm sure a year from now, if these guys are around and Aaron is healthy and they've taken, you know, they'll, they're going to, by default, just that alone is going to probably account for another couple of wins. So it, it'll cover up a lot of the coaching uh, m- mistakes, but I just, I don't see a lot of coaching in general with the team. And that's something I don't like. Like I, I've said it before. Like I think on the offensive side of the ball, there's, there's very, very little coaching in game or adjustments or obviously you got guys who look like they're hurting for coaching and they're not getting it. The defensive side of the ball, look, the, the defense is a killer. So he's doing something right, but I don't, I just don't see a lot of coaching. Whereas I, I feel like, and you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like we see a lot of like, uh, when we watch other teams, I find like, I see like these guys come off the field and they're getting coaching. I feel like the Jets players don't get coaching. And, and I, again, I could be wrong, but I just don't see enough clips of of, of hands-on coaches with, with these guys uh, correcting them and stuff. And to me, it's like it's, it's crucial for these young kids. So Chris Mano, former NFL wide receiver, Hofstra grad, and right now working with athletes to better condition their bodies, some strength training, some conditioning training. Chris, thanks so much for coming on and talking about everything you saw with the Jets this past Sunday against the Falcons and of course your thoughts on what's been happening over the last couple of days it's been an incredibly wild ride at a strange point in the season if nothing else really appreciate you coming on looking forward to having you back in the meantime how can people get a hold of you on social media and what have you been up to in terms of training athletes um I say on social media I don't mess around on Instagram a ton I have I have it it's Mano Steel my last name of the word Steel on Instagram, on a uh, Twitter or uh, X, it's going to be Man O Steel Seventeen with underscores between them somewhere. Just type in my name and you'll probably find it. And uh, by way of training athletes, yeah, a couple of my guys now we're done with uh, everything's done with playoffs. We've given the guys about two weeks, three weeks to kind of let their bodies heal up, and we're starting to get to kind of the the beginning portion of their off season phase where we're just getting outside. We're moving the body around a little bit. We're starting the first phase of their strength and conditioning program. And um, I've been very fortunate lately to be speaking with a couple of other like media outlets. So I'm excited. Hopefully, I got some good news on that front soon. I think we're we're moving in the right direction. So hopefully, uh, hopefully everything continues to to go well. I'm very lucky. Absolutely. Make sure that you check out everything Chris is talking about on Twitter, and check out everything we're doing over at PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Some awesome All Twenty Two breakdowns on our channel. So watch our videos, subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com/slash PlayLikeAJet. Visit our store tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on itunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you can go ahead and do that for us be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcast and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com